You are listening to Ayahuasca Talks on Radio Regent in lovely downtown Toronto, and I'm your host, Rebecca Hayden. Please visit us at radioregent.com and join our live chat, or connect with me at rebeccahayden.com. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Ayahuasca Talks. Today, uh, we have a guest with us. It's uh, Dean Jenkins. Dean, are you there? I am, yes. Hiya. Dean, are you there? I am, yes. Can you hear me? Hi, yes, we can. Okay, welcome to Ayahuasca Talks. And uh, sorry about that. Just some technical difficulties. I lost my producer, so I'm on my own now. And uh, yeah, I'm winging it. (laughs) So why don't you tell um, the audience about what you do, um, and where you come from, and then we'll get into the ayahuasca story. Okay, um, I own my own company based in Wales in the UK called Codes Academy, teaching children and adults how to build websites and applications, um, helping the digital skills gap. Um, I come from a background where uh, in school I suffered with um, severe dyslexia, um, which caused mental health issues at a young age, um, where my frustrations, I used to hit my head against walls and stuff when I was a kid, as I wasn't having the help I needed in school, and I felt frustrated that things weren't going right. So my school life wasn't great. Um, I was classed as the the naughty kid. And um, then leaving school without qualifications, um, life was, to me, was going to be pretty difficult. So um, after leaving school, I become uh, a floor layer, which I did for about a year and a half. And within doing that, I started having um, back problems, uh, which I was having sciatica nerves, pains down my legs. And I was taking a bit of time off work and uh, for my back, and I was called a liar um, by the boss, obviously, because I was so young, you know, you're too young to have these problems, and my parents. Right. Um, so that was, that was quite difficult for me. And moving from there, then I become a greenkeeper on a golf course, cutting grass and, and raking bunkers and trees etc things I really enjoy doing I I like being out and kind of hands-on work and once again then I um, got sacked from that and after that I had to go um, for a back operation um, to have my disc um, um, taken out of my back uh, which was causing problems oh my goodness wow with with that um, I, after my operation, I, I kind of woke up and I was saying, there's something not right here. And my family, there. of course not, Dean. You know, you're not going to be jumping out the, the hospital bed and running around the ward. You've just had an operation. I said, no, honestly, there's something not right here. Yeah. So um, a couple of months went down the line and um, I went out for food with my wife and my brother-in-law. Um, and everything was great. And I went to stand up and I couldn't stand up. I was paralyzed from my waist down. Um, which was quite a scary moment. And my brother-in-law came and picked me up, and I started getting movement back very slowly. So we were going back and forth to the hospital, having scans, and then I got called back in. And I went back to the hospital, and they had my MRI scan. And they said to me, they said, "Um, Dean, your MRI scan is blurry. I'm not sure what the problem is. We're going to have to send you for an X-ray. So I went in for the X-ray. Um, and as soon as I walked in the room, he said, I'm very sorry, I've left a six-centimeter needle in your back. And 
in that point in time in my life, I was like, my life is over. I can't do anything. I was always hands-on. I couldn't go into an office environment. Right. It was a really big struggle for me. And obviously with my problems with my mental health anyway, things got really bad. So I started cutting myself. I started trying to overdose with tablets, punching walls, taking anger out on other people. And it was a really dark place in my life. And I then went without money for three months. Um, I had friends bringing food to the house, you know, just to feed my daughter. Me and my wife were going a day without food sometimes. Oh, that's terrible. A, wow. It was, you know, it, was, it was a really, really horrible place to be. So after that, I had to have um, screws put in my back then because I was still having problems in a cage. So I had that done, and I said, I can't do this anymore. I've, I've got to do something with my life. Um, so we decided to open a sweet shop um, with £600, and my nan had a, a little uh, shop next to it. She said, um, you know, you can do something with it. So that was great. So we started a sweet shop, and um, I thought everything would be brilliant. You know, we're going to bring the kids in. And unfortunately, that didn't work out. So I basically started um, building a website, as we all do for our businesses, um, using a drop-and-drag system. And it really didn't give to me what I wanted. I'm a very creative-minded person. So then I decided to go out and learn to code, which is programming, to build a website. So I did that, and I worked at that for about five months. And then I got myself a job as a web developer in a company, which I did for about a year and a half. Um, but I was very much an idea, so I put ideas forward and how they could grow the business, the things we could do in, and they just kind of blanked me constantly. So it was it was quite a hard place. And with my dyslexia, I was asking my manager to help me with things. He used to just like Google it, and I was like, that's why I struggle. So things were getting quite difficult there. So I decided to leave there and um, open a company called Creative Pod Design, which is a web design company, mm-hmm. and. That didn't go too well either, uh, very much a struggle because there's lots of web designers out there. So I decided then, actually, I would like to teach because all my struggles with my dyslexia and things like that, let's bring it together and create companies. So that's where Codes Academy was basically created. So I was doing that for, God, about a year and a half, two years. Things were gradually building, um, but still um, anxious, depressed things not working and, and things were very difficult. So on that path, I um, was looking on the internet and uh, all of a sudden mushrooms popped up as <laughs> antidepressants, magic mushrooms. So I'm like, oh, that seems interesting. So obviously we're not allowed them over in our country, but I felt that I needed to do it for myself. So I just went and got, so I went out into nature, I, I collected my mushrooms and I took them. And from that point, everything changed. I knew there was something I needed to do, and I, I was already on a spiritual path before that from losing, you know, um, quitting the job uh, as, as a web designer. I kind of went and seen a medium and, and spoke to them, and they would give me information, and that kind of really sparked my interest. And then the mushrooms, and I was realizing it's a tool, you can kind of use that. But I was quite scared to do it in my own environment. And also, you know, going through YouTube as you do, then ayahuasca popped up, and I was like, ooh. It looks really scary. I, I must have watched videos every day for about six months on it. Right. And trying to get insights, as, as we all do, we're trying to find that information of, you know, how is it going to be for me? Absolutely. And obviously it's different for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of where my journey started with, 
with ayahuasca, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I, um, a guy come to me and said, I'm running the company, not too much money coming in, I needed extra money for myself. So some guy said, Dean, I've got a job, you can have £200 a day, three-month contracts. So I was like, oh, brilliant. I took that, and when I took that, I put all the money in to book myself a trip to Peru. So I started, and then a month after, I booked my trip. So it yeah. happened pretty quick, to be honest. Wow. Um, but, but I did promise the universe that's what I wanted, and that's what I seemed to attract. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where my journey started on ayahuasca, and I, I think we'll go through that, and I can tell you a bit more after where it was happened afterwards. Sure. I, you know, I found it interesting listening to you talk about your journey and and the jobs that you went through and the struggles. And, um, you know, on my way here today, I was actually granted um, this insight about these things about about when we struggle this way. Uh, that you know. It's it's kind of the universe saying you don't belong here. You know, you're going to pick up some things. You'll learn from every experience, but we're going to push you along, you know. <laughs> and yeah. it may not be comfortable, but that's the whole idea because if it was comfortable, you'd stay. And there's something else you need to do. So you've, you've got to move on, you know. And, and I think that this is a very natural way um, that I often chafe against, but it's it's I've had this experience, and uh, and I can relate to, to some of your story. And I'm so glad you're telling your story about the early um, experiences you had because my son suffers from from these issues, you know, and and is experiencing a lot of that stuff being, you know, um, sort of seen as the bad kid when really it's it's you know we need to understand what's going on and uh, and and try to support kids through these difficulties, even though you know we're yeah. just learning about them ourselves. But and of course he has a hard time communicating, so. It's it's a challenge, but, but we're working through it, and I love to hear stories like yours. Um, but I didn't get a chance at the beginning to ask you, um, what is ayahuasca to you? So now that we've arrived at the at the time when you're going okay. to tell your story, let's hear from you what you what your version of what is ayahuasca. What would you tell someone so, if they asked? Ayahuasca to me is um, definitely a medicine. Um, it's it, it's not a drug. It's a definitely a medicine and a teacher. Um, and it's something to me that I wouldn't take lightly. Um, it's not something you should just, I would say do it, but don't just jump into it. Make sure you're ready. And I believe in when you're ready, ayahuasca will call you to come and do that. Um, but very much a healing medicine to me um, to kind of find your way in life and, and your purpose, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was huge for me. Um, my first medicine was iboga. And I think that, you know, my... Even though I was suffering from depression and I and iboga turned out to be the best first medicine to start with, I think I would have yeah. done it all just to answer that one question, what is my purpose? And, of yeah. course, the answer was this this microphone and that I'm actually sitting in front of right now. <laughs> so um, please go on with your story about um, how you, you, you know, you fared with, with ayahuasca. I guess you've gotten to the point already in your story where... You know, you've made the decision to go, and I yeah. think you chose an excellent place, the place I chose as well. And, uh, yeah. yeah, please continue. Okay, so even kind of going on the travels to do the ayahuasca, I think, was for me, was getting over a fear stage. So leaving my family behind and going into the jungle by myself and, you know, flying from the U.K. It took us 26 hours. I think it's around the same for Canada. Um, and I think it was four flights, five airports. So... 
just going through that experience alone was a, a big thing for me to do. And then landing in Iquitos in Peru, um, coming out the airport, the airport was quite a nice airport. And we come out and surrounded by people and, and taxis and stuff. <laughs> and they all just kind of pounced on me, like 10 of them. And I, I'm like, I hadn't had a fag, to be honest, a cigarette for uh, 26 hours. So I was quite stressed. <laughs> I was just like, just leave me alone. I'll pick someone when I want someone. So they kind of left me alone, and this guy came over, and he said, oh, I've got a light a few, because I, I, I had my lighter taken off me in Columbia Airport. I don't know why they take them off you, but they did. So I come outside, and this guy's like, oh, I'll take you to your hotel. And he's like, 100 sol. I'm like, oh, God, that's quite expensive. I was like, well, if you get me to the hotel, I'll, I'll just pay it. So that's what we did, and he took me to the hotel. But on the way, I was kind of, we, you know, we, as we were driving down, I was like, wow, I wasn't expecting Akitos to be like that. Um, it's a completely different life to what we live. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very plain buildings and, uh, and you know, pe- kids playing out on the streets and stuff like that. And I arrived like 11 o'clock in the evening. And we're going down. I was like, oh, God, I'm not meant to be here. This is not the right place for me. And, I, and I'll do the fear start kicking in again. Mm. And so we were driving to the hotel. And it was a massive eye-opener. So we got to the hotel. Um, I met a girl that was going on the trip into the Temple of Way of Light. Um, in the hotel, so we kind of had like a quick nap for five minutes, and then we, we went off into our rooms. So stayed there the night, and then woke up in the morning and met loads of lovely people. And yeah. it seemed like everyone was on the same path as me, and you just in, instantly connected. It was it was a magical moment. Um, so we kind of in the hotel talking in the morning. You know, we're all talking about, oh, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what's going to go on, and all these imaginations, you know, going. Mm-hmm. So. They come to pick us up on the bus. I think it was about 11 o'clock we got picked up. So we all jumped on the bus and I was quite happy. You know, we were always going down and talking to each other, getting to know each other. And uh, we got down to the river then and loaded our stuff to go onto the, onto the boat. Um, so they'd have one boat for us to go in and then put luggage on the other. So we were going down the river and then the fear really, really kicked in. I was like, I can't turn back now. I've got to do this. There is no turning back. When I was in a key off. I could have happily gone caught another tuk-tuk back to the airport and <laughs> got a flight home. But when I was on that boat, there was no going back. Right. Um, it was amazing going down the river, but I, you could feel the, the sense of everyone else on that boat feeling the same thing. Um, right. But one thing I found... But that river is pretty magical, it. though, the Amazon. <laughs> yeah. It's taking you magical. into the heart of it, yeah. Yes, and I think, you know, it was on that kind of straight as you go in down, so it's quite open, and then you start coming to the bush areas, and you kind of forget about that, and you start seeing the depth of the water. Mm-hmm. So the trees are going up, and then you've got the shadows going down, and it feels really weird, but absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. So on our way, kind of got off and then walked into the jungle. I think it was, at, uh, what was it, about 60-minute walk into the jungle. Um, but it was a nice walk. It was muddy. Um, so if anyone's going, I'd suggest to take a pair of wellies with you, not just wear your trainers. Right. You are going to get dirty. <laughs> um, yeah, so we went into the jungle, met people first night there. I started on the first night having dreams about the ayahuasca. And it was, it was very weird, really weird dreams. I suppose our subconscious making things on our mind of kind of how it's going to be. Well, there's some people who who say, and I agree, that ayahuasca works with us the moment we decide 
that we're going to yes. do this. And even I, feel, I, I, I felt that. Definitely. Yeah, and even the fear that that you had, like often we do have to feel the things that we're healing, you know, and sometimes yes. they they rise in us in a very pronounced way to let us know what it is that we need to heal, uh, and it's it's not always pleasant, but uh, but it's it's wildly effective. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And what was nice I found when getting to the Temple of Way of Light was the food. Because um, we all know we all go on this ayahuasca diet, what to eat, what don't we eat, and we're going without things, and it's quite hard that two weeks before eating those foods and getting there, the meals were completely different, and I was wowed, and I, I would like more information actually to be out there, meals they're cooking, oh, so yeah. people can do that before. Um, I know there's a woman, I think on YouTube, I think she's written her own book, which um, I, I never never got, but... Um, I suggest kind of looking at that and not kind of going without because it does take away your energy and, you know, being in work or around people can be quite difficult. Mm, yeah. So that definitely helped arrive in there. Um, so we met everyone, obviously stayed overnight talking to people and then the next day for the ceremony. So the first ceremony day, um, I was feeling quite good actually about it. I wasn't too worried. I just kind of went for the day. Obviously, there's new people around, so there's conversations flow in. Um, so that day wasn't too bad. But what had happened was we went, I was quite tired because I hadn't had much sleep for the flying over and stuff. So we were going to the ceremony um, at 6 o'clock, I think it was, um, in the evening. So we went to the ceremony room, which was the Maloka. And um, what we did first was yoga. So they were doing yin-yang yoga. And I kind of joined in, but my back was starting to play up a bit. So I decided to lie down. And as I did, I actually fell asleep. And when I did, I thought I was actually drunk ayahuasca. I was in this experience. And I then woke up out of the experience. And it was um, lights and that in the ceremony with the shamans and everything sitting in the middle. I didn't even see them come in. And I was like, oh, my God, have I drunk it yet? Or has anyone <laughs> drunk it? I don't know what's happened. And I was really, really confused. And then the fear started rising again. Right. And I didn't because they started calling everyone up then. So they'd get you to go around in a circle, um, calling everyone up to come and drink your drinks. So on the first night, we only had um, a very small glass, um, shot glass, which everyone had unless you had been before and you could have, obviously, the glass size you wanted. So we, we drunk that. And within about, I would say, uh, 40, 45 minutes, it started coming on. I was fine, first of all, the Icaros had started, which was absolutely beautiful. I'd never heard a sound like it before in my life. You could feel it through your whole body. And I was like, wow, that sounds so amazing. You were looking and you kind of started then seeing energies bounce around the room. But from there, I kind of went into an experience where my fear come up. So I started seeing me shouting at other people. So my wife and my mother, so for instance, I come home from work and I would... I've had a bad day and I would shout at my wife for no reason, you know, not um, just vocally, you know, not, not physically. Um, but it, I could see how it started hurting them, to be honest. I could see it from their point of view and all they're trying to do is help me. Mm -hmm. I could see that and I started crying. I must have cried for about an hour just going through it all. And then I started purging. I felt the lift of the aggression, I suppose, then, and the anger lifting out of me. And that's all I can really remember from that. But it was lots of tears, and I couldn't stop thinking about my family after that, um, which then coming home, I kind of 
then, uh, you know, give them all a hug, I love you, and, and just express myself to them, because I think we don't express to our family members how much we actually love them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're always closed off from that. So that was, that was huge, a huge, huge moment for me um, on, on the first one. So we obviously then went, I actually slept in the local that night. I was quite tired, so I fell asleep in the local and a couple of other people did. And, and some people went back to the tambos. And a tambo is a hut that you stay into. They're based around the jungle mm-hmm. um, where you're kind of on your own and separately. So the second night I'm thinking, right, I don't know if I want to do this, but I'm going to anyway. So we went in and they offered us what what you want. And I was like, well, I'll have a medium glass. I'll just push it up a little bit and go for a medium glass. And I was watching everyone else in the circle and some people went for a large glass. And I was like, oh God, they don't want to be doing that. So anyway, it started, the, the ayahuasca started coming on. And all of a sudden I started hearing like really like, like really, really big noises. And I was like, that's not Icarus. I'm not, there was this guy there, I don't want to mention names just in case he doesn't want to be mentioned. But he started making basically really bad noises. So we, we all kind of giggled first of all because we recognized, you know, it was him doing it. And then it started getting really dark. And it was like a dark spirit that came out of him. It wasn't him talking because even the voice changed in him. Yes, I've so, had these so experiences, that, yep. <laughs> yeah. Not and personally, but sent yeah. Him. Yeah, into such fear. It was unbelievable. I thought, oh, God, this is going to happen to me. Am I going to be in the same place as him? And, he, and he, it was just so scary. But then I suppose it was me having to deal with my fear. Absolutely. That night, a, a lot of it. Um, and it was scary. But the one thing I found was I was worrying for myself, but I was also worrying for other people, as I always do. I'm always out there for other people, not thinking about myself. So on that night, I kind of learned that I have to leave people in their own experiences. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, an experience might seem really bad to us that someone else is having, but it can be the most amazing experience they're having in their life. It's just the way they express it. So I've I seen this going into the third series myself. So I drunk the, uh, drunk the ayahuasca and um, it come on quite strong. And then Mother Ayahuasca said to me, she said, lie down, Dean, everything's going to be fine. Because of my fear from the last, you know, on the second night, she said, everything's going to be fine. So as soon as I started listening to her and lay down, everything started coming absolutely amazing. I just sat in bliss that I've never felt before, just so centered in myself. And it was kind of, she was giving me those tools and saying, you can feel like this. You don't have to have the anxiety all the time. You don't have to have the depression all the time. You don't have to be happy all the time. You have a center you can be in. So I was, that's going to give that to me. And I, I was taking it on and I was like, well, that's quite nice. And, you know, you start like feeling your hands and your arms and like, you know, stroking them. Not, and, you know, it, it sounds weird that, but feeling yourself then and, and who you are. Yeah, you're just so appreciating kind of it all, right? Yes, definitely. So that started happening and... Um, I started recognizing what I was doing. I was stroking myself and I was like, what am I doing? So I started recognizing that and then I started making noises, just like, mm. I could feel the vibration from my body. So I was doing that for, it must have been a good half an hour. And I was like, I'm hoping I'm not disturbing anyone. I don't think anyone noticed, but I was doing it. And then after a while, I noticed what I was doing and I burst out laughing. The most amazing laugh I've ever had in my life 
but that kind of set the whole ceremony then. Everyone else started laughing as well. <laughs> so it really made a big roar in, in the ceremony room, which felt absolutely amazing. So to me, that was a really, really nice night. And I thought, right, I've got this now. I, you know, I've got for the bad stuff. Everything's going to be amazing. Yeah, it's another um, way to release too, laughter. I mean, everybody yeah. thinks and talks about throwing up, but tears are yeah. a way to, to release and to detox. And, and laughter is a, is a brilliant release too. So, Definitely. and it's, it's wonderful it's when that amazing. happens. It's mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. And I think oh, what I want to talk about as well is the purging. Everyone's like, eh, I don't <laughs> want to be sick. That's horrible. Yes, it doesn't, you know, the, the taste of it is horrible coming out. But the feeling of it coming up is amazing. It was for me anyway. It wasn't like just, you know, as you're ill, being sick. It was a completely different experience, if you, as, as you'll know yourself. But anyway, so the, the, obviously the third night, I thought, right, I've got this now. Every, every night's going to be absolutely amazing after this. Well, ayahuasca then decided to kick me in the ass on my um, fourth night and... Um, one of the guys on the third night had a bad experience and he was talking about how he was kind of stuck in his head in a loop in a void and couldn't get out of it and that's basically what happened to me the next night I felt like I was going loopy um, and the moon was a lot lower down the, on, on, the, on the fourth night so it was a lot darker in there and I you know seeing visions in my, in my head and, and stuff like that but everything got really dark and I wanted to call the facilitators over but if I called them over, I was letting into my anxiety. So I didn't want to do that. Then I went to the toilet and I was like, right, I'm not going to stay here. And then I sat down, I was like, oh, this is nice. This is really nice. <laughs> you've got the, you know, you've got the little candle in the corner, you know, going. Yeah. And then that turned really dark then. I was like, well, I've got to get out of here. I've got to go back to my, my bed and lie in my bed. So I just felt like I was lost in this space. And then. So um, did you go back to your the, tambo? Pardon? Do you go? Did you go no, back to your? No, I didn't go back into the Maloka, so we weren't allowed. In our, when the ceremony was running, they they made sure we couldn't leave us, so we can go out to the toilet, and we'd have to go back into the ceremony room until the yes, ceremony's finished. Because they're responsible um, for you, but I imagine some people yeah. make the great escape. <laughs> yeah, they try, but they, they, they were pretty good to be honest with people outside with torches, making sure you couldn't. Oh, go I know anywhere, they're amazing. Which, which was yeah. really nice. It's good to really, be really nice. Yeah, to look down, be looked after like that. It's wonderful. Yeah. Definitely. So you so went back. That was Yeah, so that was quite really scary and then I went back to um my Maloka um and it was a really scary night for me. So I literally had my I had two torches with me. I had them lit all night around the Maloka to light it up because you're in pitch dark in the jungle right. and my candle my candlelight go in. And it's all like bits getting chucked to the roof. I was so, so scared. I just didn't know what to do with myself. So we kind of got over that. And the next day um, we um, got invited. So we get invited to go and speak about it the next day, as you probably did. So you, yes. you go in the circle and speak about your experience. And I was like, all right, this is what I went through last night. But I was looking everywhere. And I was seeing snake eyes everywhere. So through the woods on trees, so like the round bits on trees was like a snake eye. And I started burst out crying. I was like, I'm going nuts. I don't know what to do. I've, I've messed up my life. I, I, I just felt so lost mm-hmm. and just wanted to run away. And it kind of took me through it and the emotions started coming up. But the one thing I really liked was it wasn't they would come over and, you know, um, hug you and say, everything's going to be fine. They would say, right, Dean, where's this problem coming from? Mm-hmm. You know, what, how are you feeling? 
And with that, it allowed me to actually dig deep into my emotions and understand where those emotions have come from. And a lot of my fear has come from when I was in my mother's house when I was when I was younger. In the room I was in, there was lots of stuff going on. There, there was a spirit of some sort in there it would flick the TV on and off and wake me up and stuff like that. And that's where my fear had come from. Um, but as a young child, you don't know what that is. You don't know how to work with, with the spirits or understand it. And I think that's where the fear comes from. So I was, allowed, I was able to let go of that within within actually recognizing it. So that was really nice, to be honest. That's wonderful. Yeah. And and I love that approach, too, because we, we really do deep inside know, you know, where this stuff is coming from. And it's just a matter of supporting us through discovering that. Yeah. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's a very different way of doing things. But I think we do need to do things differently because, you know, look around us. Things have to change, right? So 100%. this was before your last ceremony, or was this the last it one? It was before before my last ceremony. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So my last ceremony, I only um, took a. It was like half of a small cup because because of this. I I, I didn't want to not do the ceremony because I set out to go and do my four five ceremonies over nine days. Um, so I did my last ceremony. I only took a small bit. So I was kind of seeing the energy around the room and listening to the ikaros. But it was a lot more calmer, so they could Mother Ayahuasca could give information to me that I needed without going through all those emotions that I went through. And she was like, "Look at your hands, Dean." And all of a sudden, I was looking at my hands, and I was seeing energy bouncing off my hands. She said, "You're a healer. You need to go back and heal people. You need to use the, the, the skills you have." And like, you know, you you can hear all you can hear all Julie's spirit speaking to you, and you can see you need to be using these things when you get home. So that's what kind of then helped me progress spirituality a bit more and kind of working with spirit and working with, with healing and stuff. That's wonderful. So, um, yeah, so now tell me what happened when you did go home. I mean, usually there's a big, um, you know, a big period of you feel really grateful and, and yeah. you know, relationships. Obviously, you had, I imagine you had a wonderful um, experience coming back to your family, right? Yes, definitely. So, yeah, coming back, um, even coming out of the jungle, I obviously messaged my wife, my kids on Facebook uh, video and, and kind of spoke to them that way. You still couldn't really speak to them properly. So I couldn't wait to get home. Mm-hmm. We had to, like, fish a meal with the guys and then flew home. And um, when I was flying, because my back was really playing up and I couldn't take tablets, I couldn't do anything on the flight home. And it was like 12 hours. I was stuck in a seat. Everyone's sleeping around me. Didn't sleep until I got to Amsterdam Airport and then to Cardiff. I had an hour flight left on my last flight. And I fell asleep on there. And I was kind of drifting into this uh, spirit world, I suppose. I wasn't quite sure what was going on. So I got back to back to the airport at home and got my stuff and I was going to meet my wife. And as I was walking towards the car, I seen them and I burst out crying. It was, I just couldn't stop crying. I was so happy to see them. Yeah. I, I just cried and cried and cried. And my daughters were like, Daddy, why are you crying for? And I was like, because I love you. <laughs> I, you know, I was so, so happy to see them. And yeah, that, it, was, it, was, it was an amazing moment. But the one thing I wasn't told you know, before I went to the ayahuasca, which is in none of the talks, was what how your um, dreams are going to be afterwards. Yeah. Um, so the first night, 
I kind of fell asleep. I was awake and then fell asleep straight away into another awake state. And I was back in the jungle. And it was like, I'm not meant to be here. I was at home. And it was very, very scary. And my room around me had just changed. Everything had changed. And I couldn't couldn't stop going into that. And I was really fearful, to be honest. It, it was so visual that you couldn't distinct which was real. Yeah. You, you in the house or you in the jungle. I've had those that experiences. That really kind of sent me into panic. Mm-hmm. But did you, um, so this is continuing work for you, right? Yes, definitely. Um, but I was like, oh, I just want this to stop. So I had it again on the second night where I was driving a car and my wife was next to me and, I, and all of a sudden everything went blank in front of me and all I could see was lights, but I couldn't see anything. I was trying to make, wake my wife up and uh, I, I, I just didn't, couldn't seem to wake her up and uh, I then had to pull across the lanes on, on the motorway and pulled in and I stopped and then this bright light come and um, my wife then could speak to me, but it was like a loss of control. Yeah. And it was kind of telling me that you can't control every situation, so just let go. Mm-hmm. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. So that was quite powerful. Um, but the problem I had is because I put out there, I didn't want it anymore. It stopped. And when it stopped, I was like, I want it back now. I understand <laughs> it. How can I work with it more? So that seemed quite difficult um, to, to do that. Um, and as you said earlier, it's, it's kind of coming back and you're kind of in your zen. You know, everything's very chilled and everything's going to be fine. So you, you kind of get into that state. But what you've got to realize, you still have to do stuff as well. Nothing's just going to happen if you're sitting there in this zen place, as you call it. It was nice, um, but you've really got to bring yourself together. So it took me about a month, I think, after coming back to kind of get myself. I wouldn't say back to normal because I'll never be normal <laughs> after that. I, well, I'll be normal of how I feel now, but it's completely changed. Yeah, there's a new normal. <laughs> yes, yes. And what I could notice was you could read people really well. You could read situations going on around you and you could read how someone's trying to mani- manipulate someone else right. in the room. So I was kind of trying to pull myself back from those places and those situations then with that. But then you start realizing who your friends are and who your friends are not oh, as well yes. in those situations. Oh, yes. I identify you with really so do. much of this stuff. And for me, you know, I didn't pull away and, it, and it's been ongoing, but it's been challenging at times. And there have been times when I can relate to the idea of saying no more because it's painful at times. But, you know, I, I couldn't walk away from the fact that it was just teaching me about the experience I was already having. So if I was walking away, I was walking away from my own life and my own experience. And yeah. I did that already. I had depression. That's what brought me. We've come full circle, right? <laughs> That's what yeah. brought me to the medicines. Um, but that insight into the underlying energetic exchange that we all have with one another. Like, um, I know that people, There, I mean, I, I myself didn't have a very... Um, great impression when people would talk about energy. I, I understand it a lot better now, I think. But um, it's just a way to describe something that is is not surface. You know, when people speak, they have gestures, all the rest of it, and then there's the truth of of what's underlying that. And we all know it, really. Um, we we blind ourselves to it, and we get conditioned to accept a lot of this stuff and to agree with with a certain amount of you know deception and nastiness in our everyday lives, and. Um, ayahuasca and other plant medicines, um, 
you know, open you up to, to seeing what that experience really is and your own participation yeah. in it. And then you have to make a choice as to whether or not you're going to continue to participate. And when you stop participating, it's very powerful. And sometimes you can even transform the relationships that happen around you because you're no longer participating in that and you're, you're giving it another energy and another theme, you know, and hopefully the theme of love and integrity and, and authenticity. And then people have an opportunity to join you there instead of you participating in this old regime of, you know... <laughs> deflection and pretension and and manipulation and, and a lot of really unhealthy behaviors. And it can be isolating because when you pull away from all of that, you're just like, oh my goodness, and, and you're really starting again. But I think, again, it's the same theme as earlier where you get you get moved out of uncomfortable situations because you don't belong there anymore and you're going to be pushed and, and poked until you realize, oh my God, I just can't participate in this any longer because it's, it's not for yeah. me, you know? Is that something yeah. you can identify with? Definitely. It's just listening to your gut, I think. It, we, all, we all try to ignore what our gut's telling us and when we do, the outcome was what our gut was telling us in the first place. So it's listening, um, I believe, in, in myself anyway, um, to, to what that's telling you and doing what that's telling you. But the biggest thing I found was when I was in the jungle, so before going to the jungle, I had met with my um, specialist because I needed another back surgery. But I decided to go to, to Peru first and kind of go for the experience. And the shaman said to me, he said, have the screws taken out of your back um, because it'll, it'll allow you to, your, your body to naturally heal. Yes. So as I come back, I um, chose that option when I come back. Um, and in August last year, uh, so this was in May, I went in August, then I had the screws taken out, um, which was uh, a hard experience. Right. Obviously, running the business, I couldn't bring money in. Obviously, we were off work, and I had a team as well, and I couldn't, couldn't you know, say for them what to do because I was on my back operation, and then everything was quite, quite difficult, to be honest. Um, but I was determined after the healing I had there that I'm going to heal myself quickly. So I come out of hospital, and within seven days, I was walking up a mountain. And the reason why is because I believe in energies and grounding. So I would go out into my garden every morning. I'd walk up and down a couple, you know, a couple of times, go back out in the afternoon, do exactly the same thing. And every day, my back was getting so much better. And yeah, after seven days walking up the mountain, I was like, wow, I can do anything I want. So the business took a hard hit, um, had no money coming in, but I wasn't worrying about that for a change. I wasn't worrying. I was like, well, I know I can make this happen again. I don't need to worry about what's going on because when we're stuck in the worry, yes. we're constantly pushing out that, that worry to the universe, yes. giving it back to us constantly. Absolutely. I was like, I'm not going to worry about this. So within a month, like September, I had changed things around. The work started coming in started pushing things forward and amazing things started happening in the business because I believed mm -hmm. and what my intention was. I think intention is key. What are you intending to do? If you're intending to go and rip someone off, someone off, it's going to happen back to you. Right. If your intention to go and do good things, good things are going to come back to you. And that has worked absolutely amazing for me. So the business started growing um, nicely and um, I was lucky enough then to get um, invited to meet Prince Charles for the recognition of the work I'd done with the, with the trust he owns uh, within the UK. Wonderful. And that moment was very, very special to me. Um, emotional, happy, crying, 
Um, but I wasn't scared to cry. I knew it had to come. Mm-hmm. But that then would allow me to go back through my past and everything I've gone through and what I've achieved. And what I realized is everything from my dyslexia to everything I went to has brought me to where I am now. Oh, yeah. It made what I'm doing now. And you only notice that when you get to that place and look <laughs> back. But I was never a person to look back. I was always like trying to, to get to the next thing. And now the business has, has really picked up and helped me massively. And even communicating with people, everyone I sit with is like, Dean, I, I've left you, you know, left the meeting with you and I just feel amazing. There's such a good energy coming off you and people are starting to understand that. Yeah. And it's bringing awareness to those people as well, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. And, you know, um, everything that you've went through too, I think probably helps a lot of the people that you end up working with, people who are taking courses from you who may very well identify with, with some of the things that you experienced. You know, that that's the wonderful thing about being authentic and discovering, you know, that that deeper, truer part of yourself and, and starting to act on that and live that is that then you find yourself in the company of people who who need that in you, you know, and who thrive on that. And, and, and it all works in a beautifully, um, you know, uh, ecological way. We have our own ecosystem humanity, you know, and, and authenticity yeah. is the lifeblood of that. And once we're authentic and we're doing what we need to do and, and, and that's true to ourselves – Everything else works perfectly well. You know, we're the only ones that get in our way. And, and I, the medicines teach this very clearly. And it just takes time sometimes to, you know, to be able to make that happen. And, and your story is really inspirational. I, I'm so glad to hear it. Um, <clears throat> we were talking about uh, your, your teaching. And, I mean, do you ever come across kids that have the experience that, that you did? I mean, the challenges I in learning? Love it. Yes, a lot of the time uh, we work with meats, which they call them, so the naughty kids. Oh, I don't my think goodness. The naughty kids are just given the wrong education. Yes. Um, people with dyslexia, autism, and just generally creative minded people. And then we can work with academics as well, but um, it seems to fit all in what we're doing. We're very flexible in that teaching. So three years ago, I had um, a dream of basically creating a school, a vocational school in Wales. And Obviously, the ayahuasca, when I was on one of my experiences, which I didn't bring it up. I'm only bringing it up now because I didn't want to bring it up earlier. So That's okay. Please do. Yeah. Um, and um, Mother Ayahuasca showed me the, the college that I want to build. And she said, do it. This <laughs> is what you need to do. This is your path. Do it. So I was like, right, I'm going to do this. So this year, I started making that a reality. So we're looking to be building two schools in um, Wales this year in the UK um, to start with. And then I want to spread it out through Wales and then throughout the world. Um, to change the education system throughout the world. I believe children should be learning by their hands, creating stuff. It's not all about English, maths, and science. That's only what the big corpus wanted in the first place, and that's why I believe it was created. Um, but well, the world's changing so much now. Yeah, I mean, this was created, that curriculum was created, I think, in the 1800s, and it really hasn't changed a great deal since. And many, many, many things have changed in our environment, and we want things to change a whole lot more. And, you know, we've, we've had the benefit, you and I and many, many others, of the greatest teacher, I think, one of the greatest teachers there are, like the ultimate teacher. And when you start to learn from this great teacher, you start, it, it gives you perspective. And it starts to allow you to understand the things that are so 
important to learn, the, the most fundamental things about ourselves. And there's no school right now that really does that, that allows us to to understand ourselves, to learn about ourselves. And, and this is the most important thing that there is, you know. The math and <clears throat> the English, there shouldn't be such a great fuss about that or language or whatever. That can be done, you know. I think that we make a, a, a huge deal out of, you know, all these kids have to achieve this at the same time thing, and it really messes with people's um, self-esteem, you know. It's a fail or counter-fail think they failed everything absolutely there is no such thing as failure it's learning like you like my story i've had to learn over these things and that's what's built the life experience and that's where i believe our kids should be allowed to make those mistakes not fail because there is no thing as fail make those mistakes and learn by them and allowing those children to grow as people as people without um you've done wrong there this should be like that absolutely that's not the way it should be done oh yeah because you're taking their creativity from them and they've already then set up a fear in front of them so there's something they don't want to do just in case they make a mistake and another thing is that we're actually without being aware of it we're teaching kids something through that we're teaching them they're not good enough and that it's wrong that they should take so much time to learn this and you know these are these are really not great lessons, not healthy lessons, you know, and, and ignoring that those lessons are actually happening um, can work against all of us. And we have an opportunity to do things differently now. And, and I think that your idea for a school is a wonderful one. And I, I, as we talked about earlier, I, I definitely want to be a part of that. I'm, I've been actively looking into this from, from my end for a while because of my son and the struggles that, that he's having now. And I know we're not the only ones. I know that there are tons of people who are whose kids are being labeled <clears throat> and who are learning um, how they're not good enough in, in so many ways and not getting the experience uh, that will really bring out the best in them. And and I think we've got to, to make some huge changes there. And instead of trying to change, you know, these these institutions that are about something different, creating something new is is a perfect idea. You know, we don't we don't want to fight other people and say, no, you have to believe what we have to believe. You say, here's another option. <clears throat> this is what we we think is great. You know, and 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 people will come. There's so many people looking for alternatives, and they can't afford you know the really high end private schools, and yeah. a lot of those schools are also <clears throat> really focused on on heavy academics. You know, so they're for parents who have these. Um, goals for their children and and you know i'm not sure that my son or any of these kids are going to want to go that route you know I, i'd like to think that we can provide um an experience for them that will allow them to go into any direction that they choose right that empower them to that point right and and not you know develop in them that fear that they can't do this if they don't do that kind of thing you know we are incredibly powerful beings, and uh, I wish I had learned that earlier on because, uh, as it turns out, many of us have used our own powers against ourselves because we're not aware yeah. of, of what we're putting out there, you know, and what we're being taught and how we're, you know, recycling that in our experience. But but uh, there's so many opportunities that we have now that we're learning all about this stuff, and, and yeah, I want nothing more than to pass it on to kids who uh, we want this world to change. Well, guess what? <laughs> There's our opportunity, you know, <clears throat> help these kids learn it early. <clears throat> Excuse me. I seem to um, get something in my throat just about every single show. Many hours I spend not on the radio <clears throat> without this happening, so it's one of those cosmic jokes. 
Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, is there anything more that you wanted to share with us? I mean, you know, I think that there are a lot of people who are going through this post-ayahuasca um, strangeness. It's beautiful at times and scary at others, um, yeah. especially the dreams, you know. And, and uh, personally, I've <clears throat> found a way to start to navigate that, you know. Um, I don't know, do you, do you reach out to ayahuasca and <clears throat> develop a, a dialogue and, and, and ask for things and, and ask to be shown things? Is that something that you, yes. you're doing now? Yeah, that's great. And how is yes, that working I out? Do. Um, very well, but I only started doing it lately. I kind of went through a phase where you kind of stop. It kind of it panicked you so much, you pushed it away, yeah. um, and you don't know how to bring it back. And you have to change. I, your diet is a huge one. Oh yeah. We all go back, and we're like, oh, oh, that burger looks nice, and those chips look nice, and you, you start going back into the world of you know rubbish food like chocolate crisps. Things are not nutritious for your body. I realized that, and I was like, well, i got to start drinking, you know, shakes, you know, just um, just fruit and veg, just in a blender. Oh, smoothies. on a more of a plant-based diet. Yes, That's you can wonderful. have a burger now and again, but it's like looking at your, your diet every day and, and what you're eating. So I started kind of doing that. So I fasted last week uh, for five days, and... Um, that really brought my level back up, and that's where my connection comes straight back from. That's you know, wonderful. I called out to it, but it was it was a very low level. And as soon as I changed that, it was a more of a high frequency, more of an understanding of what's going on, and then coming back into the dreams. And that's where I got the moments, and I'm actually really enjoying them. Oh, that's it's great. Dark, um, but the darkness to me now is not scary. I can go through it. I can appreciate the dark side and the light side. Um, so uh, so that's been quite nice for me, to be honest. Oh, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I've had dark experiences um, that I, I didn't understand, and I, I won't always understand them, but some of them have been yes. incredible opportunities um, for growth. Um, and, and to shake something off, like I was met with a very dark entity after um, after my last ayahuasca experience, and... Um, and this entity was like um, something that has lived inside of me for a long time, but is presented to me as something outside of myself so that I can communicate with it. And it was being very nasty and, and threatening and um, and just dark and imposing. And um, I found the strength to, to just, you know, tell it, no, I, I don't agree, and you're going to leave. Yeah. And that's all there is to it. And once you get into the... The rhythm of shamanism and and how we are, all of these things that we think seem so crazy and <clears throat> these weird visions and all the rest of it they're all opportunities for us to work this stuff out and once you start to, to participate in it from that standpoint saying i'm going to participate and see what i can do with this to to help myself and if this is dark and i don't like it i'm going to find out what it's about or or seek that part of myself that knows exactly what that's about <clears throat> say no to it <clears throat> And give it an opportunity to leave and, and make it leave and make that firm decision, you know. And, and I did. And 100%. that that was a very dark night. And the next day I knew that I, I, there was, it was so odd because there was part of me that felt like I should be scared and I should be crying out for help. But there was a huge part of me that knew <clears throat> how healthy that was and how great I felt and how powerful I felt. And I'm like, yeah. okay, I know this was all strange and whatever, but I, I feel amazing and I'm not going to pretend I don't, you know? And there's a reason yeah. for that. So those dark experiences, we, I think that it has to do with um, 
our conditioning, you know, dark is bad and, and run away from it or band-aid it or, yes. you know, and instead we've really got to just look in the heart of it and say, what is this about? And, and, and you know, take power and say, I'm not going to do this, you know, and I'm going to acknowledge that this is, has been part of my experience and I'm going to say goodbye to it. And, and that's a huge part of what, what um, the power of shamanism and, and what we can do with those experiences that seem inexplicable in comparison to, you know, what we consider to be normal. And let's face Definitely. it, what we consider to be normal is not all that healthy. <laughs> no. And, and another thing I think we focus on is we always think someone with money is powerful because they have millions of pounds or billions of pounds. They're powerful. And what I figured out is they're not powerful. The most powerful beings on this earth are the most spiritual beings that actually know themselves. And they can work within that world of the most powerful beings in this place, not capitalism, which most of the world is based on at the moment and feel that, oh, but he's got this much money, so I'm below him. Ah, uh, yes. Work that way. Yes, yeah, so do you see that too? I mean, you know, um, one of the things I've been taught is about how we agree, you know? So we yes. go, oh, okay, I'll buy into that. You know, and then yeah. and then that's what we're doing. We're giving our power away, and we're placing it on these these paper notes and saying they are powerful and not us. You know, and and really they're just tools, and and we choose those tools. So um, yeah. it's a matter of what we we decide. You know, we're going to do, and there's all kinds of innovation happening there with currency. Um, but you know, the truth is that we can get into another form of currency and get into the very same problems because if we don't heal ourselves, we're just going to be doing the same thing with a different version. And we've been doing that um, in this experience on Earth for many, many years. So, what we really have to continue to do is is audit what's going on inside of us because that's what we're gonna. That's what we're operating out of. That's what we're producing from that that place. And if it's not a place of love, it's it's going in the wrong direction. But anyway, we're going to have to sign off now. It was lovely to speak with you, Dean, and I know we'll be in touch. And I really hope that anybody out there who's interested in, in alternative education along the lines that Dean and I were talking about, definitely reach out to us. Um, did you want to share um, somewhere that people can get in touch with you, Dean? Yeah, okay. Um, you can get a hold of me on my email address, which is uh, dean, uh, so D-E-A-N, at Codez Academy, so C-O-D-E-Z-A-C-A-D-E-M-Y dot co dot U-K. Get in touch with me with that, or you can get get through to me on Facebook with my name on the um, Facebook ad that you've put out. Right. Um, click on there. I'm, I'm happy enough for you to add me. We can have conversations, or go to Rebecca, and we can speak that way. Definitely. And I would like to say thank you very much, Rebecca, for allowing me on the show. And I really hope I've helped other people um, go on their journeys and their experiences. I know you have, and and I know you'll do a lot more of that. You're doing great things, and and I look forward to uh, to how all of this unfolds. And I know that we'll talk yeah. more. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Take care. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. You are listening to Ayahuasca Talks on Radio Regent in lovely downtown Toronto. And I'm your host, Rebecca Hayden. Please visit us at radioregent.com and join our live chat or connect with me at rebeccahayden.com. <laughs>